stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's Director of Research, Shiraz Mian, to talk about the second quarter earnings season. Now, several months ago, Shiraz was on the show to talk about the first quarter earnings season, which I thought was going to be one of the most important ones we'd have in years, but I was wrong. <laughs> it turns out that the coronavirus really didn't impact the first quarter quite as much as most people thought it might. And then everybody would just withdrew their guidance. So we didn't really know what was gonna be happening going forward. But now we're gonna find out what actually happened during the bulk of the shutdown and now into the recovery. So Shiraz, there's a lot going on for this earnings Cycle. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's uh, uh, it, there's there's always a certain level of uncertainty for forward-looking profitability measures, but that level of uncertainty has been magnified uh, uh, many times over because of the pandemic, because of the shutdowns, and and also uh, what will happen with the recovery. Uh, and the reopenings, how smooth they will be, uh, to what extent they will get reversed. So yes, a ton of uncertainty. So I heard a stat that 40% of the S&P 500 has withdrawn its guidance now. Does that sound about right to you? That's that's about right, yeah. So uh, the uh, as we all know, not every company provides guidance. Uh, and it's a, it's, it's a subset of the universe that provides guidance. Now, if you take a very broader definition of guidance, meaning even the, uh, the very uh, uh, qualitative discussion of business conditions and you consider uh, account that as guidance, uh, then it becomes like a much bigger sample. But typically we associate guidance as how much is, uh, the EPS range going to be for this quarter, and how much the revenue uh, range is going to be? That's a pretty small, a small slice of the overall index. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are we looking at for the second quarter? Because this is when we're going to see the big declines in both earnings and revenue, right? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, as as we uh, as we uh, got a good sense. Uh, uh, through the middle of the first quarter earnings season and then in the subsequent weeks and months, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the narrative that uh, developed uh, in the uh, investor community uh, and in the analyst community was that Q2 will be the bottom and Q3, while still weak, will be better than Q2 and, and, and so on. So. Uh, yes, uh, Q2 uh, is expected to be really bad. Now, if we look at the bottom-up earnings estimates and aggregate that to the index level, uh, the expectation is for a 44.3% decline in earnings for the S&P 500 and a 10.9% decline uh, uh, in revenue. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it's across all the sectors, in fact, uh, 15 of the 16 Zacks sectors will have 
declines year over year, double digit declines in four sectors will actually lose money, meaning wow. declines in excess of 100 uh, percent. The utilities is the only sector that's that's barely in positive territory on a year over year basis. Okay, so even technology is expected to decline in the second quarter then? That's correct. Yeah, so uh, it's a 13.3% decline for technology. Now, we must, we must add there that the decline that the technology sector is expected to experience is the smallest of the 15 sectors that will have negative. Uh, so technology is the, the smallest decline rate the medical is the next smallest decline rate, and, and then we go on from there. Uh, and uh, uh, the, I mentioned that four sectors are, are going to lose money. Uh, the, the sector topping uh, that is the autos, 231% year-over-year wow. decline in earnings for, uh, for, for the auto sector, yeah. Okay. And then I saw for the full year for the S&P 500, looks like we're expected to see it decline 24%. Is that right? And that's right. Yeah. So uh, we were essentially flat last year, uh, which, uh, which wasn't a, a great number. But uh, just to put things in context, last year, meaning calendar 2019, followed the super strong calendar 2018 uh, where uh, where earnings were boosted by the tax cut legislation. So the fact that yeah. earnings remained essentially flat was still a pretty strong showing. And coming into this year, the expectation was for about 8% growth over 2019. That was the expectation back in January. So you you uh, you rightly say about 24% decline. Uh, as of today, the decline is for 24.5%, uh, and okay. revenues are expected to decline 5.7%. Okay. And I saw you wrote in your earnings preview article that in 2008, earnings were down 19.1. So right. just to give it some comparison, if people are wondering how bad is that 24 0.5%. And then 2009, when things started to improve, they were down another 3.4% in the, the Great Recession years. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And in here, uh, because 2020 has been pushed down so much and it's still going down, uh, depending on how the reopenings and the recovery unfolds, obviously, the, the entire second half of the year uh, is still in front of us. Uh, the the growth rate uh, in 2021 is very high, so the expectation uh, as of today is for a uh, for a gain of 24.7 percent uh, wow. uh, earnings growth. Though we should point out that the absolute dollar level of 2021 earnings would still be below the 2019 level. So if we take 2019 as the pre-COVID earnings level, uh, uh, it'll it'll be beyond 2021 when we will get back to that point. Okay. And all of these numbers are assuming that the analysts even know what's going on, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is that That's why? Fine. Is that why you're warning that it it could be a lot worse than? 
than this decline, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. So up to up to about a few weeks back, I want to say about three weeks back, uh, I had come around to this view that the uh, that the across the board withdrawal of guidance that we witnessed during the Q1 earnings season will not be repeated this time around because we saw that uh, big parts of the country were reopening. Uh, that the infection rates in the Northeast had started coming down. And there was this kind of air of, uh, uh, of, of normalcy. I mean, not really normalcy, but uh, things started to ease up a little bit. And uh, I, was, uh, I was coming around to the view that perhaps uh, this earning season, management teams will have uh, a far better visibility into Q3 and beyond in guiding us. Uh, and even though the growth rates will be bad, but at least the uncertainty around those growth rates will be relatively lower. Uh, but with this uh, uh, new round of, uh, uh, of rebound and in infections, uh, and then the question mark over reopenings, I think that uh, that view has to be uh, has to be revised. Yeah, I listened to the Nike earnings call, and that was kind of a the first shot across the bow, I want to say, about what could happen with some of the, the estimates and the analyst calls, because that was a huge miss. It was their um, only their second earnings miss in the last eight years, and they basically couldn't give any guidance. They gave like general guidance that the second half of the year they would see improvement right. and then more improvement in the first six months of 2021. Well, I could say that, you know, anyone could say that. Yeah, That's right. it should be better. That's but right. there, anything of, you know, any kind of earnings guidance or revenue guidance, there's there was just no way. And they talked a lot about Yes, they've seen like the reopenings and all of that, but certain parts of the world for their business hasn't reopened. Like most of Latin America, I think they said 65% only had reopened in Latin America. And that, and then now you have the uncertainty that you just mentioned with here in the United States, where some may have to shut again, as we've seen with Apple shutting some of its stores and couple of the other retailers just deciding to shut down in certain states again. So yeah, Nike, that that was um, surprising. But Shiraz on that on that, even with that huge miss, the shares weren't down that badly on that, uh, you know, the day after all That's of right. that went down. And now they've kind of stabilized here and they're not cheap. They're now trading at 40 times because the analysts have now cut for this fiscal year. Again, after this earnings report, they did do a big cut there. Um, but you're starting to see maybe some issues with valuation. What do you think about the valuations here overall? Yeah, so uh, just briefly on the Nike first. Uh, Nike over the last few years, uh, ever since we have had issues with the traditional uh, brick and mortar, a uh, part of the uh, of the retail landscape, uh, has been working on this strategy of 
uh, of, of digital sales, of direct-to-consumer, yeah. and, and the e-commerce part of the business. And they have a pretty good plan in place for that. And uh, what has happened with the pandemic with them is uh, that it has really accelerated uh, right. uh, that rollout and, and, that, uh, and that trend. Uh, and, and that's partly uh, the reason why the stock wasn't down as much uh, yeah. on the miss. Uh, secondly, I think very few uh, or hardly anyone uh, is expecting great numbers for Q2. It's just a question of how ugly uh, right. they will be. Uh, yeah. And uh, the, 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 the missing numbers part is, I think, will be a lot more widespread uh, this time around than what we are used to seeing uh, in, uh, in quote-unquote, normal quarters, uh, okay. primarily because uh, there has been no, no guidance. And right. uh, analysts uh, uh, have been coming up with these estimates uh, based on assumptions uh, that could be totally uh, off-base with other analysts. And we saw that with estimates for, for Nike, uh, and I am starting to notice that with estimates for a lot of other companies where the spread between the highest estimate and the lowest estimate in the sample of estimates that we uh, we collect and then come up with the consensus is very wide. And uh, that, uh, that makes the consensus number a lot less reliable. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as, as is typically the case, uh, but to the valuation question, I think that's a valid point. Uh, I think uh, it, it reflects uh, some, uh, some optimism on the part of investors uh, that we are on course for, uh, uh, for, for the economy rebounding very strongly in the second half and continuing in 2021. Uh, hard to say how, how reasonable or otherwise uh, that expectation is, but I would think that questions about reopenings uh, and how confident or otherwise all of us will be to go to the Nike store or to go to restaurants or to go to other establishments that require crowding, uh, I would think those expectations need to be reined in a little bit. So Nike is one of the, you know, kind of hotter plays that we've seen during the pandemic, um, for all the reasons you just stated, actually. But the other ones are the FANGs plus Microsoft. I'll put them in there. And yeah. I saw in your article that um, you said that five S&P 500 companies now are 22.5% of the index, and they are Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, Facebook, and Apple. But the earnings are just 14.5% of the total index for those. But the earnings are on the rise for all of those companies. So what, what is your advice for investors now with some of these big fang names? Obviously, they are the winners from the pandemic. We already That's kind right. of know that from last quarter. And they're going to prove it again this quarter. That's and right. I looked at some of the valuations, and they are higher than what they have been, you know, in the last year. But they're not altogether outrageous for the most part. 
compared to even some of the other kind of high-flying peers out there right now. Um, so what do you think about investors just going with the winners here when there's all these uncertainties out there? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's an excellent question, Tracy. I think uh, the, uh, there, is, there is some element of safety uh, in, in these companies, even though these stocks have run up, uh, yeah. uh, but uh, they are not the type of valuations that we typically associate with, like, uh, like what we had, like in the late '90s, early 2000s, for the internet right. stocks, or like the really uh, uh, outrageous valuations we saw with these companies that uh, they retain their earnings power. Uh, even in an environment like what we are going through currently. And we know for a fact that at the other end of the pandemic, uh, uh, they will be as profitable, if not more. And it's hard to say uh, with that much certainty and confidence uh, about a set of companies anywhere else in the marketplace, in any other yeah. industry. So. I think uh, some premium is justified for these companies. Uh, uh, they are, they are, they are, they have, they have an unbelievable level of earnings power, uh, and uh, uh, there is some safety in that. And then on top of that, in these uncertain times when we are worried about the credit worthiness of many companies. Uh, uh, you simply don't even raise those questions about the likes of Microsoft or or Apple or Amazon. Uh, they have uh, practically uh, more money than God. Yeah, yeah, basically. So the banks are going to lead us off here uh, once again on earnings season. What do you think about the banks here, especially when so far, we haven't gotten another stimulus package of any kind, and some of the stimulus is going to expire at the end of July, if unless it's renewed. We, we don't know yet. And, you know, I listened to some of the bank calls from the first quarter, and obviously they were hoarding their cash, preparing for the worst. We maybe haven't seen the worst yet. I don't know. What do you think about investing in the bank here? I think of, of all the sectors uh, whose earnings I would be watching very carefully, uh, banks really top the list in that. And the one area that I'm super, super interested in, in, in seeing uh, would be the extent of the reserves uh, that they book for Q2. Uh, and I would be comparing that relative to what they booked in Q1. I have a sense that the uh, the magnitude of the fiscal relief that Congress provided, uh, which you rightly point out, is expiring soon, and uh, yeah. there is uncertainty about to what extent or whether even uh, it will be extended. Uh, but we have a uh, uh, at least uh, in Q2. Uh, 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 a very, uh, a very big uh, and very generous uh, across-the-board relief uh, spending, uh, and if we see the uh, uh, the reserve bookings uh, come down 
in a meaningful way relative to what they booked in Q1, that I would interpret as a positive sign that they overbooked in Q1. Uh, the, uh, the extent of deterioration that we typically see in economic downturns uh, has, uh, for the most part, been avoided uh, by the very strong action that the U.S. government, Congress, and the Fed uh, has been able to do. Uh, and that will be very positive. If, if we are able to sustain that, if we can keep folks from losing their, uh, their assets, their, ho their houses, their, their businesses, uh, and uh, uh, not going over the edge uh, financially, uh, that'll be a, that'll be a big source of, of support for the economy as it comes back. And uh, the first clues for that would be in how these banks reserve uh, uh, for, for loan losses in their quarterly releases. So uh, banks are a very economically sensitive business and uh, they, they are in the business obviously lending to Main Street and uh, uh, their numbers tell us uh, how should we see the health of the, uh, of the households and consumers and obviously businesses currently and in the days to come uh, through these uh, loan loss reserves. And I'll be closely watching that in these earnings reports. So out of the big banks then, which one would you recommend you know, someone tune in to listen in and see what, what is going on there about the reserves that you just mentioned. Is it JP Morgan? Should I be tuning in to listen to see what Jamie Dimon has to say? Are they the bellwether among the big banks? Absolutely. JP okay. Morgan and Bank of America, they're both uh, very well-regarded management teams. Uh, the management teams uh, have been uh, at the helm at these companies for very long times. Uh, they have been able to implement their own strategies. Uh, and both of these banks are actually benefiting uh, from all the things that the current management teams at both of these companies have done. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the new things that have happened, Tracy, with banks recently is that uh, because of the pandemic and because of the uh, uh, the, uh, the, the uncertainty surrounding recovery and its effect on the economy, the Federal Reserve modified its, its, its regular stress test for these banks uh, and imposed some new stipulations on them as to what extent they can pay out dividends. And, yeah. uh, and that's been a big question mark over many of these banks. Uh, I think even from just owning uh, the uh, the respective stocks, I'll be a lot more confident about J.P. Morgan and Bank of America uh, in their ability uh, to uh, to maintain their dividends if it uh, if not if not grow them, uh, yeah. uh, particularly relative to many others in the space. Yeah, uh, apparently everybody is saying it's Wells Fargo that may have to cut the dividend in order to come within the compliance from the Fed. On That's the, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, even if we look at 
and some some easy uh, measure uh, on that front is the uh, if we look at the, uh, the the market yields on those dividends, uh, the market is uh, is judging them, and if you have an outrageous yield on an otherwise uh, blue chip company, uh, that's a sure sign that the market is betting that this uh, this is not sustainable. Yeah. On, on that same note, do you have any insight on for the companies that have suspended their dividends, not necessarily banks, but just there were a bunch of companies who just suspended it uh, last quarter, kind of just to conserve cash and all of that. You know, any any idea of how many may try to bring that back or are they going to be cautious and just be like, no, we're not we're not paying anything for this year? Yeah, I think it, it makes sense for them to be cautious. The toughest decision uh, for any board of directors is the suspension of dividend. And uh, in, in times like these, when uh, uh, when visibility about the long term or even the medium term uh, is so poor, uh, it's probably prudent for these uh, for these boards to wait uh, and get a sense of uh, the lay of the land and trends in their businesses uh, and uh, then commit to uh, that kind of payouts. I mean, we shouldn't forget that uh, big chunks of the economy, uh, particularly in, in, in leisure, vitality and in transportation, particularly aviation, uh, they are in some serious trouble uh, yeah. uh, beyond the quarter-to-quarter quarter kind of situation. So uh, many of uh, the companies in those areas are effectively on life support. And uh, uh, one could even argue uh, in, a, in a cynical kind of way that uh, our authorities will be uh, perhaps a lot more generous with their support uh, both for companies and households through the election time, uh, but perhaps after the election, uh, uh, they may not be that that generous. Yeah. Okay. Before we wrap up, I did want to briefly cover the small caps, the S and P six hundred, because we do have some data on them too. And as bad as the S and P five hundred is expected to be for the second quarter. Boy, this small cap, it just looks like devastating. That's right, yeah. I had it down 85%. That's right, yeah. The, uh, the finance, uh, finance is really big in the small cap. Uh, it's big in the S&P too, but uh, all the issues that we have uh, uh, with the big banks, uh, they get magnified with the smaller ones, and uh, you you effectively uh, uh, you effectively uh, push a lot of those savings and loans institutions into uh, uh, into losses, and uh, and and that's that's what we are seeing. Then you have uh, the energy issue uh, uh, that's still there. Uh, and then a whole bunch of the consumer-facing groups. I mentioned that for the large caps, we have four sectors losing money. Uh, that issue gets overly magnified with the small caps. And small caps don't really have 
as bigger margins as we have with the large caps. Part of the benefit of being a large company is to have the scale economies and operations and expenses and things like that. So it's, it's a huge hit for the small caps. Yeah. Okay, is there any one company that you are really gonna try to tune into this earnings season that you really wanna know like what's going on with them? You know, the, the, nature, the nature of my responsibility, Tracy, is such that I can't, uh, I can't overlook uh, any one of them. I'm very, okay. I'm very interested in uh, listening to uh, the, uh, the FedEx report later this afternoon. Uh, because okay. FedEx touches on so many different things. Uh, yeah. And as I mentioned, uh, financials will give us uh, a lot of clues uh, about the broader economy. And thankfully, uh, many of these important companies like FedEx, too, it is just one company that's reporting. So you can give all the attention to that company. Uh, the same happens with the financials. When JP Morgan reports in July 14th, it'll be uh, uh, the attention isn't divided amongst tens of companies as typically is the case in the midst of the earnings season. So I'll be right. paying a lot of attention to the JP Morgan report in mid-July as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was a good discussion and um, I'm, I'm sure I'll have you back on for the next earnings season too. We sure. can go over, you know, what really went on during this one and then how the second half of the year is really going to shape up here. Sure, okay. absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, okay, so we mentioned a lot of stocks on this episode. I'm going to run through some of the tickers. Most of them are what everybody already knows, but in case you're not familiar, I'm going to list them. So we did just mention FedEx. That ticker is FDX. JP Morgan is JPM. Bank of America is BAC. We mentioned Nike, NKE, and then some of the Fangs plus Microsoft, but not all of Fang, I guess. Um, but Amazon, AMZN, Alphabet is GOOGL, Microsoft, MSFT, and Facebook, FB. And um, as always, you want to be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode because we are covering all the topics that everybody's talking about here on the stock market this important year of 2020. So you can subscribe on SoundCloud. I know most of you are already over there, but we are on Spotify if you want to check us out there. And we're on Apple Podcasts. But be sure to get us somewhere, and I'll see you again next time with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.